Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot to talk about. Uh, most of the home teams dominated the Big Ten. I kind of jinxed it a little bit with a tweet earlier today, so Shaps hates me, but that's okay. We'll make sure we get his anger out during the podcast. Uh, he can say anything he wants about me, I understand. And then, of course, course uh, casual Big Ten, Kent is with us. He's just casually hanging out, watching all the games, going to share with us his thoughts. Uh, Shaps, I'll let you go first, tell the people about yourself where they can find you and uh, maybe be a little bit nice to me today even though I unintentionally jinxed your team I'll try to be nice today JR Uh, yeah I'm with the Java men fighting Illini podcast you can find us on Spotify we tend to put out one show a week Um, we got a rotating group of hosts uh, that like to chime in and uh, we uh we like to dog on Brad Underwood as much as we can, uh, and we. But we've been rather nice to him uh, this season, uh, so you can listen to our podcast and listen to us uh, flip back and forth constantly on uh, how we feel about Brad Underwood and the Illini. Was it was it a bad day for Brad today on the podcast? Uh so so. We didn't we didn't go after him too bad because. Uh, He's done a pretty admirable job, all things considered, what the team is going through right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Kent, tell people about where you where they can find you at. Yeah, my name is Kent. I am uh, at Brad Underwood Fan 23 on Twitter. Big Brad Underwood fan over here. No, uh, casual Big Ten on Twitter. Uh, you guys know the drill by now. I'm also, I have to admit, I'm watching the Lions game right now. I've told people on Twitter that I am a Lions fan. And they are about to go for it on fourth and one on the goal line. So I'll be giving updates throughout this show. Jared Goff just threw a touchdown pass just now. So the Lions are winning live right here on the show. That's what Lions you come to the Big Ten Huddle for. Lions yeah, that's, that's exactly right. People want those Lions updates here. That's why they're here. Because I've got my Bears helmet right behind me here. Uh, <laughs> signed by Brian Urlacher. Glory and the days. Packers won tonight too. So you're having a great night after Illinois yeah. lost. Yeah, it's just been a fantastic day. Uh, listen to our latest podcast where we reacted to the Maryland game and you can hear me in the middle of talking about the game, just start screaming after Jordan love throws yet another touchdown pass. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me though, JR. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks for being here, Kent. Always a pleasure having you on. Uh, just to remind you before we get into it, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. Uh, my podcast, The Big Ten Huddle and Shaps Java Men are part of the Big Banter Sports Network, bigbantersports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. Uh, for any other team you want to go through or this podcast, you can find everything there. So thanks everybody for listening. We are going to get to our first game. Oh no, I messed it up. I did not have the Illinois. Shaps is really going to hate me. I got to load it here. Look at that. Look at how fast my internet is. Maryland beats Illinois, upsets them 76 to 67. Uh, Jameer Young, this was one of those games where Jameer Young and Julian Reese just just completely dominated the game. When you let those two guys dominate, there's not many teams uh, that are going to win comfortably against this team. And unfortunately for Illinois, uh, it just seemed to be one of those days. And uh, I mean, I guess the bright side is it's been one of those weeks, one of those days for just about every team in the top 25 right now, because teams are just falling away uh, as we go. There's another team, which we'll talk about next, Wisconsin. They're not falling away, so they're really hot right now. But uh, of course, Illinois, I don't know if there's too many bad 
bad things we can say about this team, but this was definitely not uh, a day that Illinois fans wanted to see. So, Shafts, we'll give you the floor first. What were your thoughts on this game? Kind of half expected the way we uh, we always play against Maryland. For some reason, we bring out the best in them, and they bring out the worst in us. Uh, Brad is 2-7 and seven in his career. Against Maryland, seems to dominate most every other team in the Big Ten, except for Maryland. I don't know why they have his number. Um, we were kind of due for a clunker, I guess. We uh, had a lot of momentum coming into this game, but uh, we just looked dead tired. Um, we, we've basically been playing with six players in the rotation. Um and, and against Michigan State, a lot of those guys played nearly 40 minutes. And so you could tell just halfway through this game that we basically had nothing in the second half. Uh, we, we tried to fight and claw, but shots just weren't falling. Um, missing layups left and right. You know, balls were going halfway down. Uh, Marcus Damask still had a good game, but missed a lot of shots that he's been hitting lately those contested uh you know in the lane shots that are real difficult but he usually hits them and uh tonight it just wasn't falling for him Quincy Garrier same story he was getting to the rim but nothing was going in for him Coleman Hawkins got into foul trouble in the first half that kind of really doomed us because uh we know that Dane Danger just can't play he can't be relied on for more than a few minutes when you're playing against real competition. He's going to dominate the Eastern Illinois of the world, but he's just not good enough uh, to to play in the Big Ten against against real competition. So uh, we've been lucky so far because Hawkins really hasn't gotten into foul trouble. We haven't been in put into this situation yet, and and it was clear that Maryland had a game plan to go at him. And Willard even said it in the post game that, hey, we know how important Coleman Hawkins is to this team. So our game plan was to just throw the ball into Julian Reese and let him pound Coleman Hawkins. And it's it's a real tough matchup for him because Reese is just really long, really strong and athletic. And it was just a tough matchup for him. Maryland was getting whatever they want in the paint. Um, yeah, it was basically a two man game for Maryland and uh and we just we just didn't have enough in the tank really when it came down the stretch of that game. Yeah, I thought it was crazy. 48 of Maryland's 76 points came from Jameer Young and Julian Reese just themselves. Uh I mean the, those two guys they in in uh Jameer Young, he played 40 minutes in this game. Did not come off wow. the court once. Um so when I heard people talking about that, oh, this Illinois team looks tired. Don't get me wrong. They did look tired. But I was thinking to myself, man, Jameer Young in there and played 40 minutes. Because I thought like halfway through the game, I was like, I don't think I've seen Jameer Young go out once. And I, sure enough, I looked and I was like, yeah, he's not been out once. And then I looked later at like 30 minutes. I was like, yep, still not been out. So uh, just a wild game. And, uh, you know, that that's what this Maryland team needs to do. I mean, they need to rely on Jameer Young and Julian Reese, uh, especially when the three-point shooting is not falling. And it didn't fall for Jameer Young in this game, either 0 for 4 from three-point range. So they still have a lot to figure out there. But, uh, I mean, you hit you hit the nail on the head there, Shaps. When, when Julian Reese was able to get in there and get Coleman Hawkins in foul trouble, he was just kind of ready to eat. Because I do think Dane Danger is a good offensive player. 
but he just he provides nearly no defense uh, for guys down low against like Julian Reese and uh, especially how good the Big Ten players are down low. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And and really, Maryland didn't even play that well, to be honest. You know, like we we shot better from three. We shot better at the free throw line. We out rebounded them and still they beat us because of what was going on in the paint and we couldn't finish and and they were. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and we just like I said, we were we were totally gassed. A lot of guys just <laughs> like on their knees, you know, mouth open uh, in that second half. And it's, we're been, we've been playing with a short bench for a while now without Shannon and everyone kept looking around to see like, okay, who's going to save us, you know? And then nobody was coming to, to save them today. Yeah. Kent, what were your thoughts? Yeah. You guys pretty much talked about everything I wrote down already. You didn't discuss uh, totally the stat uh, points in the paint. Uh, the post game, they talked about this. It was 52 to 26 for Maryland. I was surprised by that. I've kind of been looking for Julian Reese to have a game like this all year. It feels like he hasn't really had that game maybe a couple times throughout the year, but i um, pretty surprised, to be honest, that he had that game against Illinois, of all people. But um, as Shaps was saying, probably tired. And then with Coleman Hawkins having the foul trouble, that's that's what's going to happen in that game. Here's what I'm looking at for these two teams, though. First of all, let's start with Illinois because we got an Illinois guy on. This loss concerns me zero about this team because I think that this team has already proven what they are. I'm not worried about this at all. I think they're still a double-by Big Ten tournament team. I think that they're still going to be uh, very highly ranked in the NCAA tournament. And this is just one of those losses that happen. Even though it was at home, it's just one of those losses that happens in this conference. I'm not worried about that at all. What I'm more um, interested in is the Maryland side of it. You look at their next five games at Northwestern. They play Michigan State at both places and then Iowa and Nebraska. If they play like this, there's no reason they can't lose or I'm sorry. There's no reason they can't win four out of those five games. I think the problem is they haven't played like this all year. So it's like, where did this come from? Um, All of a sudden, unfortunately for Illinois fans, it came on the day that they're playing Illinois. Um, but I do not expect this to continue. I really don't. Um, I come out of this game taking basically nothing from it because Illinois loses and I'm not worried about Illinois and Maryland wins and I'm not getting any more excited about them. So that's just how I feel after watching this game. Yeah, I kind of agree. Kent, uh, it, it's just one of those games for Illinois. Like I, in the long run, probably not a big deal. You're just, you know, everyone's going to have these clunkers. The only problem with it and the reason I was upset in the moment was to try and keep pace with Wisconsin and Purdue. You got to protect your home court, right. again, especially against a bad team. And that's what Maryland has been for this uh, season so far. And yeah, like I said, Maryland does this to us every year. Last year it was Dante Scott who just came out of nowhere and destroyed us this year. It's, it's Reese. So yeah, I don't think it it indicates really anything for Maryland's future because I whatever it is, uh, they have our number. I don't think that Turks that fan. even matters, though, too. Sorry, JR, to cut you off. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, too, like, because I thought about that for a split second, too, about, like, keeping up with Purdue and Wisconsin as far as, like, winning the Big Ten outright. To me, that doesn't matter, though. Like, that's just a it's a banner, but it's a pointless banner. Like, what really matters is, like, how prepared you are going into March. 
And uh, I think that Illinois will be fine. It doesn't really matter who wins the Big Ten outright. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to discuss. And like it's fun to track throughout the year. Uh, but re- what really matters is the NCAA tournament and how prepared you are for that and how uh, ready you are to go in that tournament. Uh, I was just going to say that we have Terps fan here, Terps guy. And, I, I you know, I, I see what you guys are saying about Maryland. And I, I'm not trying to be in a Maryland apologist here or, you know, crown them as, you know, top four team in the league because I don't think they they are. But I do think that we saw from Maryland, kind of like I said earlier, exactly what they need to do in order for them to get wins in this conference. They need they need Jameer Young to just go absolutely off and and games and just take over the game. We were hoping that they wouldn't have to do that this year, that, you know, Geronimo and uh, DHS, Deshaun Harris-Smith, like he, they would be able to contribute some to that. But as long as those guys aren't helping contribute on the offensive end to the level that they were hoping, obviously they, they had some points today, so I'm not saying they're completely worthless, but um, as long as those guys are not being able to do what was expected early on, in the season, this is what Maryland needs to happen every single game. Jameer Young is going to have to play 36-plus minutes. I don't think he has to play 40 like he did in this game, but and he's just going to have to be uh, stellar on offense. And Julian Reese needs to you know, play well on offense, too, and get guys in foul trouble. But kind of the same thing. You talked about Shaps with uh, you know Coleman Hawkins getting in foul trouble. It's kind of the same thing with Maryland if Julian Reese gets in foul trouble. So it's almost like... You know, can Julian Reese get the other guy in foul trouble, or can Julian Reese, or can they get Julian Reese in foul trouble? Um, and it goes from there. I, I do want to ask really fast before we move on from here: What do you guys feel like in the Big Ten, um, and, and maybe the tournament as possible? What do you guys feel like is the ceiling for this Maryland team uh, before the end of the year? Do we think NIT, NCAA tournament, top half of the Big Ten? You know, just by watching them and kind of what you know about Maryland, what do you feel like is kind of the ceiling for this team? Kent, I'll let you go first. I mean, making the NCAA tournament has to be the ceiling, I would say. Um, But I don't expect that to happen. Just based on what's, I mean, I, I go through their schedule. Some of the teams that they've lost to this year already, and it's and nothing's really changed on their roster. It's just a matter of like, if they want to play hard like they did today, then they do better, it seems like. And then, you know, most of the season watching Maryland, it's it's been, uh, what are they doing offensively? And they can't really get stops. It just happened to be today. They were like the Maryland of old. Jameer Young was back and everybody was back all of a sudden. I don't know. It, they're, too, uh, they're too up and down for me to say that they're going to consistently be able to get enough wins to for sure get into the tournament, but that's definitely their ceiling to me. Like getting into the tournament, a low seat, like a, a double digit seat, and then like not getting to the second weekend for sure. So would you say like maybe an eight, nine, 10 spot in the big 10 and then. Oh, for the big 10. Oh, for the big 10 specifically. Uh, I would say somewhere between like uh, eight and 12. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Shaps, eight and 12 seed. Sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched enough Maryland games to to understand like what is driving this inconsistency um is you know is Jameer Young just hot and cold or is he not getting enough help from the the role players but yeah i mean Maryland was picked i think to finish third fourth in the conference by most people so uh, i can understand why people are are pretty down on them after this start and and why 
Willard is is probably catching a lot of flack from their fans. Oh yeah, I think the Turtleheads had fired him like twelve times this season already. So <laughs> Tricky let oh, us yeah. know they're officially firing Kevin Willard on their podcast. So or at least he is. I don't know about the rest of the guys, but uh, all right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Wisconsin it continues their dominance and goes, you know, right by Northwestern. Obviously, it was a home game for Wisconsin, and they really took it to them. Uh, Max Klesman went off in this one. And I just every time I watch this Wisconsin team, it's like these guys just play really, really well together. There's nobody on this team that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just an outstanding player. It makes my jaw drop every time I watch him. I mean, they're just, their whole starting lineup is just all good players who work really well together. And unfortunately for Northwestern, they were on the receiving end of the, the loss on this one because Wisconsin's a really good basketball team and Greg Gard really has these guys going. Uh, Kent, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah. Like just to dig into that a little bit deeper, like not only do they play well together, but they have now, I mean, after what you just said about, uh, is it, how do you say his last name? Max Klesman. Okay. I always seen his name, never knew how to pronounce it. But anyways, after the night he had, uh, they have like five guys now that any given night could be the guy for them. When you have crawl wall store, and then even Hepburn every once in a while could have a night where he's the one that's like carrying the load for them. So they have a lot of guys. They're very disciplined on defense, which is like, uh, a staple at Wisconsin, but the difference is what I just said. They have somebody that can go off every night and they're playing so well offensively. Um, it's just really weird to see them. We talked about this last week, JR. It's really weird to see them like averaging over 80 points a game. It seems like every time that they play, it's just, it's hard to get my mind around, but now that they have those four or five legitimate scores and the way that they have been playing defense throughout the years, and they're still doing it this year, um, I'm fully on the Wisconsin bandwagon. I think that there's a legitimate chance that they could win the Big Ten. We talked about that being something fun to talk about um, earlier on. I think that they could really win it at this point. They're second in Vegas odds right now to win it behind Purdue, obviously. But um, they haven't lost yet. And they only play Purdue once, I think we discussed last week. Real shot to win the conference this year. And I really like this team. Really, really like this team. I think that they can make a run. Um, later on in the season for Northwestern. I do got to talk about them for just a second. Um, same thing I kind of talked about with Illinois. I'm not very concerned about this loss for them. I still think that Northwestern is a really good team. You already know Chris Collins is my favorite coach in the conference. Um, they're pretty much the opposite of everybody else in the Big Ten from what I just basically looking at it from a casual standpoint. And what I mean by that is Everyone else in the Big Ten, it seems like, could lose on any given night to anybody. But Northwestern, with the exception of a few games, like two games this year, Chicago State and Purdue, they have beat everybody they're supposed to be, and they've lost to everyone they're supposed to lose to, with the exception of those two games. So um, not really worried about this loss for them. I think that they're still going to be strong um, and at the upper echelon of this conference uh, throughout the year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, like you said, Northwestern's one of those teams that, like, they play well together as well. Uh, but they, I mean, this team's just gonna kind of go as Boo Booey goes. Not to the same extent that Maryland, uh, does with Jameer Young, but, you know, when Boo Booey is only scoring points, you know, you're gonna kind of see those, uh, effects. And now I don't think it was so much on Boo Booey in this game as it was, you know, kind of the guys around him weren't scoring as well. I didn't like some of the movement off the ball in this game for Northwestern, but I mean, we also have to give props for Wisconsin on that. Wisconsin plays really, 
tight defense. Now, in this game, uh, it was more the shooting that took over than, you know, kind of the defense. But, uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, Wisconsin, they just play good defense. And they kept Northwestern to under 65 points, barely over 60. Uh, so, you know, you just have to really like what you're seeing from a Wisconsin team. And I'm with you, Ken. I, if I'm a Northwestern, I don't, I, I don't put my head down after this one. You know, you went into Madison. You gave them a good game. You know, what, an eight-point loss to the number one team in the Big Ten right now. Uh, I don't hang my head on this one. I say, you know what? We gave him a good battle. Uh, on to the next one and go from there. Shafts, what were your thoughts on this game? I'm officially taking Wisconsin seriously. Did not take them seriously coming into the season, but uh, they are just night and day better than on offense, especially than than last year. Um, AJ Store has been really, really good for them, and then it's. Like Ken said, it's a different guy that goes off every night. This game, it was Klesmit. Last year, Chucky was just trying to do too much, I think. Really forcing the issue. Didn't have enough consistent help around him. Now they've got uh, you know a lot of veterans on the team, and Chucky doesn't have to do as much. He only had four points in this game, but he still had a huge impact. Um, and it doesn't have to be you know just scoring the basketball anymore. He can... He can, uh, you know, he really annoyed Boo Booey on the defensive end. And then on the other end, for Northwestern, I stopped taking them seriously when they lost to Chicago State. (laughs) I don't think people understand if you don't like maybe it's people outside of Chicago don't really understand how big of a joke Chicago State is. It's basically a high school team. Everyone plays them to just get some practice reps in. It was their first Big Ten win in like 100 years. It was the first uh, ranked team I think they've ever beaten. Wow. This is a historically terrible loss that not enough people are like actually talking about. Chicago State is so, so bad. They lost to DePaul, who's like the worst major conference team in the country pretty much. It's such a bad loss. You cannot lose to Chicago State. It is harder to lose to Chicago State than it is to beat Purdue. That's Northwestern exactly what did. I was going to ask you. What about the Purdue win, though? Don't those cancel each other out or no? No, no, they don't. <laughs> okay. It is way harder to lose to Chicago State at home than it is to beat Purdue. Purdue, as we've shown, they they can struggle on the road sometimes. And Northwestern beat them last year. So whatever it is, they kind of have a recipe for it. To lose to Chicago State is is an absolutely insanely embarrassing moment for Collins and Northwestern. So I can't take them very seriously. They are clearly a kind of it's hard to explain, but Boo is just is just showing a lot of frustrations lately, especially in these road games. If he's not getting the calls going his way, if he's not getting help from his teammates, he. he lets you know that he's frustrated. He he really does not hide it. That it's really though the the front court of Northwestern that bothers me the most. They're really bad. I don't think Nicholson's good. I think he just takes up a lot of space. He's a good rim protector, decent rebounder, but he does not bring you really anything uh on the offensive end. Um, he really struggles against bigger guys that can step out and pull him away from the basket guys that can shoot. He's just not quick enough to get out and guard guys. Everyone knows now that the post trap is coming. 
for Northwestern. So Wisconsin, who is really, really good, their big guys are really good passers. They're just waiting for the trap to come. And Illinois did the same thing too. You're just looking over your shoulder. And the second it comes, you either got somebody diving to the basket. And if they collapse on him, then a shooter is going to be wide open. So it's a terrible matchup going against Wisconsin when they have good pass, uh, good post passers and surrounded by good shooters. So it seems like Northwestern's just not quick enough to cover up all those spots. And then they're not consistent enough on the offensive end to be able to make up for it. So that's why they've been struggling a lot lately. Um, so yeah, Wisconsin continues to to roll on through the big 10 to, I think most people's surprise and Northwestern, I think is going to just end up somewhere in the middle. Well, Northwestern, I mean, they, they lack athleticism, right? I mean, that's one of Nicholson's biggest deficiencies is I think he's a good passer. I think that he makes good decisions down in the post, but at the same time, he just lacks that athleticism to be able to guard some of the bigger guys like you were talking about, Shaps. And I think that's where some of Boo Booey's frustration comes from is, I mean, we have this guy who is an amazing scorer, super athletic, you know, really <clears throat> does a great job of handling the ball and getting it to his teammates, but if his teammates can't get open or they can't find themselves in the right situation or if they do get open and they botch a shot or if they botch a, you know, a pass, one more pass they should have made, you know, I'd be getting really frustrated if I were Boo Booey too. Uh, and like I said, a lot of that just comes from Wisconsin's good defense in this game. Uh, but another piece I wanted to touch on was, um, you know, Chucky Hepburn, he's one of those guys that doesn't really get the love because he doesn't fill up the box score, right? You know, like you said, he only had, what, four points in this one, five rebounds, three assists. Uh, he did get three steals, so that's, you know, that's really good uh, for a guard to be able to get. But um, I, I don't know. You guys tell me if this is a hot take or not. Is Chucky Hepburn a top three guard in the Big Ten? Not like no. point guard top three no. guard in no. the big 10 because if i was creating a team i think back to that draft were you in that kit when we did the draft yeah yeah if i think back to that draft i should have used my fifth or sixth pick on him because i just love the way chucky hepburn plays and how he plays within himself and plays within this team uh kent am i right or am i wrong wrong definitely okay. wrong definitely wrong i mean there's like i could i, I guess I, I could do it right now if you wanted me to like five better guards than him Okay. But I are mean, they better guards or just better scores? Because like, I think that's my better... thing with Boo Booey is like, Boo Booey's a better score, but is he a better guard? Because Boo Booey, I mean, what do you try to, what do you want out of your guards? Don't you want them to score? I do. I mean, I do want them to score to a certain extent, but I also want them to run the offense, play really good defense, and be disruptive and play well off the ball. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> maybe top five know. maybe i'm being a little a little uh big with top three but top five i don't know so? i think he does a good job of the things that you're saying right now like he doesn't okay. turn it over a ton and he runs the offense and okay. at wisconsin they love that so i don't know that's what they need yeah yeah i guess that's what they need so for for wisconsin yeah he's a great guard but i think like in the in the conference overall though no like he's not he's not on my radar i don't know Maybe that's okay. being mean. And I love Wisconsin. No, I, I, I want to say I'm fully on the bandwagon. I think they can win the conference, but he's not the reason why, though, that I love them. Okay. All right. I don't Chaps, dislike do him either. I just think he's just he's just kind of there. He's just part of the team. I mean, I don't know. Okay. 
Yeah, I think, I think, there's, I think there's a lot of yeah. guys that can do what he does. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I he's probably replaceable, but I think he is much improved from last year because he's more accepting of his role and he just doesn't have to carry the load as much this year. So, you know, I mean, he's doing yeah. a good job in his spot, but yeah, there's a number of guards I would I would take ahead of him. Okay, so I have a rational love for Chucky Hepburn. That's okay. I'll be that guy. I'll have a rational love. <laughs> He's been that. fun to watch this year. I'll give him that. Uh, Russ says, Wisconsin needs to start dropping games if Purdue is going to have a chance. Yeah, we'll talk about Purdue next, but um, I don't know where the games are going to come from to drop. I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into a Wisconsin has an easy schedule segment because that's enough on social media. Right. But I mean, like, I just don't know where the games are going to come from for them to start dropping them because like, like we said, Wisconsin's a really good team and uh, you know, they only play Purdue once, right? In Illinois yeah. once, I think. Uh, well, I think that's what we said last week. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm going off what we said last week. I think yeah, that's, no, right. that's what we said last week. Yeah, I mean they get they get Michigan State, uh, which they already beat Michigan State on the road. So like that's not going to be a problem. I feel like. But they I think Illinois Madison. has to play them in Madison. Oh no, they get two games against Purdue. I'm sorry, they have Purdue the last game of the year at Purdue. Okay, so that's that, I mean that could be a huge game for the conference right there at Purdue at the end of the season if they're well, Russ. Playing. Yeah, Russ is right though. If Wisconsin does not lose a game, they will probably win the Big Ten. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great point. Have, great if you point. Have more wins than the other teams, you win the Big Ten. Uh, this is a good point here from Southside OC for you, Shaps. Will this be the year that Guard beats Brad Underwood? No, no, <laughs> it will not. Not going to happen. No, we will. We will smother them. Okay. All right. You heard it here first. Greg Guard going to get smothered. Yeah. No, we own Guard. Um, and then I got Kent, this might be more for you. I'm not, I, I, I watch the NFL, but I'm not huge into it. Need you guys as quick NFC wildcard predictions before you sign off. Kent, why don't, uh, why don't you go first here? Well, the lions are winning 21 to 17 right now that just went to halftime. So, um, I guess I'll just kind of double that. I'll say that it's going to be 42 to 30 at the end of the game. Lions are going to win by 12, 42 to 30. Okay. Yeah. So then. What Green Bay moved on? I don't even. Green know Bay did beat uh, Dallas, so next week it'll be uh, Green Bay coming to Detroit to uh, catch another L this year. No, it'll even be they did Green beat Bay. Us San Francisco. Green Bay's going to San Francisco. Oh, is that how it works? See, I don't know how the playoffs works out. We're gonna get. A, mm. Oh, you're right. You're right. So we'll get the winner of Tampa Bay and uh, the Eagles. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So we'll see the Eagles next week. I, I literally had to. Nah, I wouldn't book that. <laughs> Eagles uh, look dreadful. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Sheps? Who's coming out of the NFC? Well, probably the 49ers, but. True. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I want Detroit to, to make a good run at it for sure. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. And. I don't know what's wrong with the Eagles. They've completely fallen apart. So I would not be surprised at all if they lose to the Bucks tomorrow. You know what? Screw it. Baker Mayfield, Tampa Bay. They're going to make it out of the NFC. That's probably a bad pick. Um, 
No, I think the Lions have a really good shot. I think it's probably going to be the Lions and the 49ers. I think that the Lions have a really good defense. Um, Aiden Hutchinson doesn't put up all the numbers, sack numbers that people like, but he gets a lot of pressures and does a good job. Uh, and then as long as nobody gets hurt on the 49ers, I think the 49ers probably make it out of there because what that's been like their big thing is they get guys hurt, don't they? Like mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. Like I Rock said, I'm Hardy not the got biggest, hurt last year. Yeah. I'm not the biggest NFL guy, but I can, uh, I can talk a circle around it if people want me to. So, um, <laughs> Russ says huddle curse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do curse, uh, curse people from time to time. Yeah. Watch out. Hepburn's going to get the, get the L there. All right. Let's move on to our next one because Russ was just talking about him. Purdue beats Penn State 95 to 78. Uh, don't make Purdue mad, kids, because when you make Purdue mad, Zach Eady, you know, just goes and destroys anybody in his way. And unfortunately for Mike Rhodes and his little Nittany Lions, uh, they were the kitty cats that were in the way of the Boilermakers in this one because they just, they went crazy on them. Uh, did not, I mean, I think it was like a, it was a tie game and then Purdue went on like some 20 point run or something like that. It was just like, okay, this one's over. Cause you're not coming back from Edie on this one and uh, painter and all those guys shaps. Um, I don't know if you have a lot of thoughts on this game, but what thoughts did you have on this one? I have like no thoughts on this game. Um, yeah. Edie's good. <laughs> it's exactly what you expect. I mean, the boilers at home against, you know, a bottom tier big 10 team. They're just too much for Penn State. Uh, you know, they were good last year. With now that Shrewsbury's gone, though, uh, Rhodes probably has his work cut out for him. They were they lost a lot of guys, obviously, from last year. They're still going to shoot a ton of threes, um, but if they're not making them, they don't really have much of a chance uh, this year. So, I mean, they're they're going to be towards the bottom of the Big Ten, and they ran into the uh, yeah an angry purdue team i guess uh where they just were looking it was a get right game for them um and an ed you know a get right game for him um you know his scoring has been a little bit down and this was a chance to to prove no i'm i'm probably still the front runner for the national player of the year Russ, uh letting us know 27 to 2 run after penn state led 10 to eight. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching that. Like at a certain point, I almost was like fell asleep. Cause I was like, okay, Purdue's just never going to stop scoring now. <laughs> oh, Russ bottom tier that beat Ohio state. Yeah. Well, Ohio state's kind of bottom tier right now. Just wait at the end of January. We'll be on a six, you know, six, uh, loot game losing streak. Uh, Kent, what were your thought about the Boilermakers on this one? Yeah. Not, a, not a lot to talk about. I did notice I, cause I watched this game all the way through. The one thing I noticed uh, that wow. I haven't noticed about per- I know right right congrats to you serious well waste of time um <laughs> uh, I'm sicko like that but the one thing I noticed in this game is that I think that Purdue uh, doesn't get enough credit for being a fast break team they only had 21 fast break points in this game I say only that that is kind of a lot for a college basketball game I think but it could have been a lot more if the starters played for any more minutes than they played in this game so. Um, that's my one takeaway from this game. I think that that's something that they uh, can go back and watch film on and say, hey, we can do this against other teams, not just Penn State. Yeah, 21 fast break points is in the 96th percentile on CBB analytics. So very, 
good. Uh, that is very good. See. And they averaged the last five games, they averaged seven. So, yeah, that's a huge improvement. Look and at then, me. I find those little intricacies, man. There you go. I find them. You're just Mr. Stat Demon over here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, it just it, it, it got to basically looking like, you know, a team of dads was playing against the kids. And it was like they kind of let them be in it for a little bit. And then finally the dads was like, OK, yeah, we're going to take this one over and just take care of the little kids in this one. I know that's probably insanely mean to talk about with a Penn State team because they did beat Ohio State and stuff like that. But um, I think this Penn State team, like we talked about before, they're, they're just going to kind of keep figuring things out. And unfortunately, against a team like Purdue, if you try to figure things out against them. Purdue's just going to manhandle and take take care of you like nobody's business. Um, you know, I think I think Penn State has some nice pieces. I think they have certain guys who do things really well. I really like Wahab down low and rebounds, doing a good job down there. I think he gave Edie um, a good amount to handle, which was uh, you know, more than some other teams have given him to handle. Um, and, and I think that Kanye Clary, very good offensive piece. Ace Baldwin, really good uh, defensive piece. And he does a good job on offense, too. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, you had a team in Penn state who does some things well, you know, they have certain th- things in their, that their players do really well. And then you had Purdue where it's like all of their players do everything really well. And it just kind of took over in this one. So yeah, our guy O'Boyle uh, was just, yeah, not a tough matchup for our, our boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Russ was saying, do non Purdue fans think Heidi should start, over lawyer at this point. I talked about that in the last one uh, where we talked about Purdue and their loss. I didn't really like the switch to Heidi. I I would have rather seen them run with lawyer. Um, But I, in this game, I didn't hate it. I felt like Heidi was doing a good job. Um, I felt like he was giving them a little bit of what lawyer doesn't give them when he's not super uh, strong. But I, I just think lawyer's ceiling is so much higher than Heidi's that, I mean, in this game, it doesn't really matter because they were just outplaying them so much. But in my opinion, I think you go with lawyer over Heidi because the ceiling is higher. Do you think so too, Shaps? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think there's reason to to change anything up yet. But I mean, the one weakness really of Purdue is that their backcourt is so small. And, uh, you know, and, and Illinois tried to take advantage of that and and other teams will as well. Luckily, there's not that many, you know, big guards in the Big Ten. Most backcourts are pretty small. So, you know, Heidi did, I think, play more against Illinois, too, to try to, like, combat, you know, combat some of that size. Um, That would be really the only reason to do it. But I I think they also enjoy bringing that guy off the bench. Um, And you don't want to hurt lawyers' confidence. Yeah, I remember that uh, statement from uh, the Big Ten media. Not Big Ten was it Big Ten media days or Big Ten tournament last year, uh, where Painter talked about lawyers' confidence. So, uh, Kent, you have any thoughts on lawyer versus Heidi? No. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, I think I think, uh, I think we got that covered. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, both good players. So. Yes, absolutely. All right, moving on. Oh, uh, before we move on, CBB Analytics, they do sponsor our show, but CBB Analytics gives me a free pro tier, and it's really, really good, really cool stuff there. That's how I got that rating that I mentioned to 
uh, Kent just a minute ago with the uh, fast break points and stuff like that because not only do they track everything, but they also give you a rating system and then they colorize it and their game recaps are really cool where they talk about players is awesome. Uh, I just can't say enough good things about CB Analytics. I'm constantly checking those after games to kind of see and compare not just with the other teams in the Big Ten, but also how do they compare with how they played uh, in other games. So like I said, CB Analytics, really cool stuff. They also have free stuff there. So go check it out, even if you don't want to pay for it. Really cool free stuff. Go over there. It's what the coaches use. It's what uh, NBA players have used because the guy who runs CB Analytics, he used to work for the NBA. Uh, really cool stuff over there. So check out CBB Analytics. All right. <clears throat> Michigan State takes care of Rutgers. This one was kind of close for a little while. Rutgers was hanging in there, but eventually, uh, you know, Michigan State kind of just found their way and Rutgers offense just kind of stalled and they were able to pull away in this one. Kent, I know you had some thoughts about Michigan State. Uh, so uh, dazzle us with your thoughts. Yeah, I actually had a little surprise for you guys. I didn't tell you, but I actually got uh, credentials for this game. I was there at the Breslin Center. Yeah. And, um, I had my notebook with me and I took notes on everything important that I thought happened in this game. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. I know I said I didn't want this one to go long, but I'll uh, go as quickly as I can. So um, first thing I noticed is that uh, they Michigan State came out for warmups and Steven Izzo just had a little pep in his step, like immediately right there at warmups. Um, pre-game, he just looked like he was focused, ready to go. We're at the 1802 mark in the first half. This is all in the first half, right after whispering something to an assistant coach the ball got knocked out of bounds and steven stands up and puts his hands on his head and says oh because he thought it was like a bad call um and then at the 1639 mark andre hyatt hits a three for rutgers and steven has no reaction it just showed how focused he was his belief in his teammates on defensive end um the 1556 mark there was a foul called on Jaden akins and once again steven stands up throws his hands in the air there's a TV timeout. He's the first one at the timeout huddle. So just shows how focused he is. And then right before halftime, Rutgers is trying to run offense. He's sitting cross-legged uh, with at his ankles. And then Rutgers was called for a shot clock violation. He stands up and uh, does the incomplete pass motion. So really, once again, Steven just all in. And then just a couple things in the second half that I noticed. Um, 1827 mark, Mati Sissoko gets an entry pass. That's when Steven stands up. Andre Hyatt gets called for the shooting foul and Steven rubs his eyes. It kind of looked like he was in disbelief that Mati didn't finish the play right there. Um, he also stands up for an entire possession at the 1550 mark. Um, at the 1134 mark, Carson Cooper gets the ball inside and Steven stands up once again. Cooper dunks and then Steven does a full vertical jump with a double fist pump. And then the second to last one, I'm almost done. Uh, Jackson Kohler gets a finish at the 642 mark, a hook shot at the right block. Steven stands up and does the rock the baby celebration. And then lastly, with 33 seconds to go in the game, Steven Izzo is actually on the court and uh, crosses somebody over. He gets fouled and the ball somehow finds its way into the rim for the and one make. Um, Michigan State, like you said, 73-55, great win for them. And really, to me, from inside the stadium, it felt like it was all because of Steven Izzo. And based on Twitter, um, I think everybody noticed that. Wow. Yeah, that's what you come to the Big Ten huddle for is uh, Kent's credential <laughs> analysis of Steven Izzo. I love this it. Was, this was from in the stadium, by the way. Uh, yeah, I was I definitely it. there. 
I love it. How'd you get credentials mm-hmm. for it? You, just you know, it's been we've been growing on Twitter. You know, uh, more followers just gets more respect. So, like, I, I once again thank you to the Michigan State staff for having me there, and uh, I was really glad that I was able to take notes on all those important things that happened in the game. Yeah, thank you to Stephen Izzo for uh, giving us great mm-hmm. content as well. Um, mm-hmm. Shaps, do you have any thoughts on the game or just Stephen Izzo? Because we can just make this a Stephen Izzo recap if we want. Yeah, this was this was the Stephen Izzo game. Absolutely, uh, had a, hu- a breakout performance. Um, Stephen was scoreless in his first forty-two games of his career, uh, and just broke out for a massive three points. Uh, you know, drew a foul in there too. Was was really moving the ball well. Did a great job of uh, you know dribbling out the clock at the end really really impressive stuff from steven um yeah i i think he's he's more than earned his spot on this team um you know there's there's really there's really no reason uh otherwise why he would be on the team clearly it's it's because of his talent and finally he just got the opportunity to show why he belongs in in the Big Ten, and uh, I'm just really happy for Steven. Mm-hmm. I, I'm big on points per minute. Um, does anybody average better than three points per minute in the Big Ten? I don't know. I don't think so. We'll have to check CBB analytics yeah, we'll have for to that. Check CBB analytics and see. Um, now, I, I think Michigan State, this is a good bounce-back game for them. Uh, you know, obviously, Steven Izzo gave great uh, energy to the team to make that happen. So, uh, you know, Tom Izzo can thank his son for that one. I, I don't – I guess this is more of a fashion uh, analysis, but I don't like the bright green, Mm-mm. you know, tops that all the coaches wear. Um, you know, I, I'm okay with when, when Chris Holtman wears, like, the salmon – uh, suit jacket and stuff like that because it's like you know <laughs> men wear pink and that's tough or whatever but i i think it's worse to wear bright neon green rather than pink i don't know am i alone in that one you guys feel the same no, no. i feel the same you're right you're right for sure okay. they've been trying to make the neon green a thing for like 10 years i feel like yeah and uh it's you know it's is those even worn like thing. the elf thing with like the white things coming out it's not been my favorite uh my that's my michigan state analysis my Rutgers analysis is oh my gosh this offense um listen Rutgers really good defense i know cliff morier um you know he got hurt for a little bit he was in foul trouble so uh obviously that's going to impact how much he plays he only played 20 minutes in this game but um oh my gosh Steve Peichel has got to figure something out with this offense because at certain points in this game, I was watching it. There were literally just guys next to each other, like handing the ball to each other. I was like, oh, my (laughs) gosh, the spacing is awful. Figure something else out. Um, It just kind of hurt to watch at certain points. Shafts feel the same way about the Rutgers offense. Yeah, it's it's rough to watch them this year. I think Peichel uh, or Pickle, as as we call him on the Java men uh, just can't wait to get to next year when he's got like 10, five-star players coming in. I believe uh, it might be 11. I think he signed another one today. Um, yeah. Rutgers, they have a good front court, but their backcourt is, is pretty bad. And that's why they can't get into any offense. Michigan state is actually kind of the opposite where they have really, really good guards obviously in Hogard and Walker, 
who can take over games, and they usually do. But I don't think the, the Michigan State front court is is very good. Um, I wrote this down. Sissoko and Cooper combined for 30 minutes and scored seven points. Those guys just don't they don't do it for me. <laughs> Malik Hall's getting better though. I will say I'll defend yeah. their front court just a little bit. He has been playing a little bit better lately. Hey, he was the Kim Ball Kim Palm MVP in this one. So I mean, when you win Kim Palm MVP, that's something. Um, yeah, he yeah. If you, if you put him in in more of a front, I mean, he's kind of a wing, but yeah, he, he plays in the front court as well. I'm I mean more of just like they're they're big guys. Gotcha. You know, yeah. they they really struggle. Yeah, Kit, you're I right think about this that. Is, I think this is a question. So uh, for your master um, master tease here. Uh, so we'll end the recap on this one. The Izzos, the Hoybergs, the McCaffreys, or the Howards. Russ said, who wins in a father-son tourney? Keep in mind, Howards, heart issues. Um, and Southside also, uh, don't count out Brad and Tyler Underwood. So we got a lot of Steve Izzo, or uh, father-son duos in this one. So Nepotism in the Big Ten is I real. Know, right? The Izzos, Hoybergs, McCaffreys, Howards, and Underwoods. Who you got, Kent? Who thinks the best duo out of all this? Um, I my initial reaction is to go with the Hoybergs, just based on like the coach could actually do something on the court. But it depends. Like if you, even with Jawan's heart issues, are we including Jet or is this Jace Howard? That's a big factor. It's right to be there. Jace because Jet. Okay, then I'm I'm going with the Hoybergs then. Because the other coaches are just too damn old. Excuse, excuse my friend, sorry. Uh, they're too old, though. Hoiberg really is the only one that could probably do something on the court. So I feel like that's a huge mismatch. Well, McCaffrey, though. You think McCaffrey can ball? I think so. More than Hoiberg. You don't think so? The no. mayor? <laughs> you talking about Fran McCaffrey? No, not Fran. Uh, his son, <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> No, no, yeah, no. I know the son can. I'm talking about the coaches. Oh, you're talk- okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying. I'm talking looking at father, this as a two on two game. Yeah, father son games. I would say half court though. You know, you're probably. Weren't you saying want- like a two on two game between yeah. the coach and with his son? Yeah, but half court. You don't want Tom Izzo running up and down the court. Yeah, but Fran's going to turn into dust after like one possession though. But does he need Fran though? Is not <laughs> well, Patrick the so. best son out of all of these? The best son out of all these would be. Uh, let's see. Like I said, it would be Jet or it would be McCaffrey. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's got to be just Patrick do it all now. Himself. Just yeah. post up Fran in the corner and let him shoot threes. Yeah, the McCaffreys yeah. actually play and like right. contribute. Uh, I think they have I, another. Sam's like I, six man on Nebraska. No, I know. I okay. think the McCaffreys have another one coming up as well. They might. Oh. I don't know. They never well, they run could out. Have three players and the other and the rest have two is what you're saying. Jace, I think, is hurt. or I don't know what Jace is doing, but he's going to have to do something for me. They could use all the help they can get right now. So whenever he yeah. gets back from whatever is going on with him, like he will be playing too. I like Hoiberg. I like Hoiberg a lot though. Uh, you got the mayor and, and my dad came up with a great nickname for the son. Uh, he calls him the alderman. <laughs> That's That's, that is great. So I guess our analysis here, Russ, is that it's probably Hoybergs and McCaffreys in the finals, and uh, mm-hmm. probably the McCaffreys I would take. But uh, oh, Fred Hoiberg! Oh, here we go. The Turtle Heads. I clicked on the wrong one. Thanks, Turtle Heads. Appreciate the turtles. Uh, <laughs> Fred Hoiberg is actually six four two, so he might Hoybergs. be able to guard. Put put Sam on Fran and Fred on Patrick. 
I think I think Hoiberg's win. You guys agree? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what I said too. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I Russ changed my mind. Thank you, Russ. They got a lot of heart. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Excellent Fran would just analysis. be complaining if he got a no call. He'll be having to stay down with the refs. <laughs> All right. Let's talk We're about like, it. They're like, Fran, there's no refs here. It's <laughs> it's a two-on-two pickup game. <laughs> just staring at the hoop. He's just staring off into the stands. <laughs> All right. Uh Indiana takes down Minnesota. Listen, the Ben Johnson uh, Minnesota story was a beautiful one. It's still not over yet. I mean, they're still three and two in the conference, twelve and four overall. They are zero and two in quad one games, so uh, not a lot of impressive stuff there. But Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers at home. I mean, it, it, it's just really, really tough to go into Assembly Hall and and beat that team, especially if you're an up and coming team. Like Minnesota, uh, we kind of played fraudulent or you know uh, or good with Minnesota last last time we were on, and and I think they're better than people give them credit for. I think they could be a tournament team, but they're definitely going to have to get some wins, uh, especially on the road in the Big Ten if they want to get there. Uh, Shaps, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, credit to Minnesota. You know, universally picked to be dead last in the Big Ten. They've won seven straight, I believe, coming into this game. They've beaten, you know, who's been put in front of them. Um, But it's hard to win on the road when you go two of 20 from deep. Um, And and this was a breakout game for Clell Ware and Mackenzie Mbako, 36 and 18 between the two of them. Um, But the question for Indiana is, is really, can those guys give consistent effort game in and, and game out. Um, Indiana's a tough matchup for most teams because they're the biggest team in the Big Ten, but they're very young um, and and it really just comes down to can they shoot the ball consistently enough because um, <clears throat> they, they really don't have a lot of depth either as well. I, I, I don't get the Gabe Cups thing. Um, he played 30 minutes and, and scored zero points and had one assist. Four rebounds. Uh, okay. Four, way to go, Gabe. <laughs> he played 30 uh, minutes in this game? He did. Yeah, they, they, I think they benched Xavier Johnson because he got thrown out of the last game. Uh, yeah, it was like is what I saw on Twitter. Stuff. Yeah. So that's obviously the reason he was playing that much. Xavier Johnson will obviously play more. Luckily, they didn't need him in this game, but, uh, just it just goes to show like the lack of depth that Indiana has. Um, it seems like Woodson like you know gets one or two good players in each class, and then he forgets that like you have to find more players than that because there's also players that are going to leave or graduate or transfer or whatever. Um, and uh, and he's just yeah he needs to find a, a guard for next season. I think he wants um, CJ, yeah. CJ Gunn to be that guy, but CJ Gunn's just not that guy. I don't know. I don't get YMCA Gabe Cups. Um, that that's what I call him. Uh, Greg Waddell on Sleeper Media calls him Cardio Gabe, but I I really feel like he's more like that guy at the YMCA that everybody hates to play against because he's just he runs around so much. I don't get Gabe Cups. I I, I don't I don't like how much he plays in certain games. I would have rather seen CJ Gunn in there more, uh, give Trey Galloway some more ball handling, um, in this one. But ultimately at the end of the day, when you have Kaloware and Malik Renew down low, it, 
at a certain point, it doesn't even matter because they, they're just both really, really good down low. Well, Kaloa had 14 rebounds to go along with his 17 points in this one. And uh, Malik Renu, he just kind of, you know, is a bucket if you give him the ball. And McKenzie Mbako, I mean, he, he scored 19 points, was the leading scorer in this game. Uh, I think overall, yeah, he was the leading scorer in all this game. So, Ken, do you have any thoughts on uh, Indiana beating Minnesota? Yeah, I think that uh, Indiana, even though they're four and two in the conference right now, their next three games are Purdue at Wisconsin at Illinois. I'm predicting that they lose all three of those games. I'm not a big Indiana fan. Um, I think that they will have a uh, less than 500 Big Ten record uh, at this same time in two weeks. Um, it's good. I, it's funny because you were talking about Minnesota. Like, I still think Indiana has work to do to be a tournament team at this point. Like, they haven't done anything Indiana's like be a tournament team. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, for Minnesota, I think that Pharrell Payne deserves some credit. He had 17 off the bench. I was kind of looking at the Lions game. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't know if you already mentioned that or not. But for me, it was Mike Mitchell Jr. Uh, first game that he hasn't scored in this in the whole season. He was scored. Uh, he scored zero points, and he's a top 10, I believe. Last time I checked, was top 10 and made three pointers in the whole conference. So if you're gonna go on the road and beat anybody you're going to need your top 10 three-point shooter to hit a three-pointer. Um, and he scored zero points, so that's not okay for uh, Minnesota. He's got to do better. And really, he's played pretty bad the last two games. He hasn't hit a three in either of his last two games. So I think Mike Mitchell Jr. needs to play better if Minnesota is going to be better. Um, but once again, it's tough, tough to win on the road, even if it is Indiana. But Indiana has some tough sledding um, coming up, and I think that it's going to get worse before it gets better for the Hoosiers. That's that YMCA Gabe Cups coming at him. Zero <laughs> points for Mike Mitchell Jr. Uh, yeah, I had no, to look at that uh, that cup stat line like three times. I'm like, this can't be right. Well, I, <laughs> right. About, I don't even believe it. When I was looking at it, I was like, every single starter scored double digits except Gabe Cups, who scored zero. I was like, how can I intro this game with like every Indiana starter who scored a point, scored double digits, to, like sound impressive, but also like kind of take a shot at Gabe Cups. Um, I don't know. I don't want to take a shot at him, but it's just kind of, it's kind of funny how much he plays and very little scoring. So Steve Izzo, you put Steve Izzo here, you know, three points. Steve Izzo's getting, I mean, based on his, he's scoring 90 in this game, based on I his know, points per I'm minute. Saying. That's what I'm saying. So, um, all right. Uh, that's all we got for Indiana. Uh, Kent, we'll, we'll try it. We're not going to get done in an hour, but we'll do our best here to get okay. this one done as soon as we can. I'm being summoned, so I do got to get through this last one quick. All right. We'll make it happen. Iowa takes down Nebraska 94 to 76. The Iowa def- or, uh, offense, not the defense, my word, not the defense. The Iowa offense really took over in this game. Nebraska, I mean, they were coming off that Purdue win. It was really, really nice. But unfortunately, they had to travel to Iowa City in this one, and the Hawkeyes took care of them. Kid, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, the big difference was just the three-pointers. Like, Nebraska, they live and die off of it so much, and they died on this night with their three-pointers. They only made four, um, and they gave up 15, so you can't do that. can't uh, go to Iowa and uh, hit four three-pointers and, and play such bad uh, perimeter defense that you're giving up 15, even if it is against Iowa. I know they shoot it pretty good, but uh, uh, as far as the rest of whatever they everything that they did in that game, they, I thought that they did a decent job, like guarding the paint, I thought um, they didn't turn the ball over and the fouls were pretty even throughout the game. That was really the only difference um, was the perimeter. 
Yeah, you're right. That was that was the difference. Uh, I do apologize on the graphic. I have eight rebounds. Uh, Owen Freeman had eight defensive rebounds. He had ten overall rebounds. So we did get a double double in this one. Uh, but yeah, that that was the guy I was going to talk about was Owen Freeman and just how impressive he looks and uh, what he brings to this Iowa team. Him and Ben Creaky in this one. Um, well, not so much Ben Creaky in this one, but just overall, they're huge additions that really help this Iowa team in a lot of ways. And uh, whenever Peyton Sanford, you know goes off for nearly 20 points. I think any team playing Iowa is going to be in trouble uh, because you get that combination going, and it's just really, really hard to stop. Shaps, what were your thoughts? Similar to the Minnesota game, yeah, you're you're not going to win on the road when you go 4 of 26 from 3, especially against Iowa. Um, kind of a comeback down to earth a little bit for Nebraska. Been playing really, really well. Um, you know, I think Horberg's doing a great job there this season, definitely exceeding expectations. They're finally kind of taking that jump that people have been waiting for from Hoiberg to show like, yeah, he, he can still coach. Um, so, uh, yeah, not, not a bad loss really for them. They're kind of due for a letdown. And once Iowa gets going offensively, it's, it's pretty tough to, uh, to stop that. I think they needed this loss to help their tournament hopes. Um, I don't think it's so much a loss in the Big Ten, but if Nebraska w- wants to make the tournament, this is a kind of game they need to to win. Dr. Spin, Fred got Frand. Yes, he did. Uh, indeed. And then Russ also lets us know, much like Boo Booey, Nebraska spent all their shooting XP on the Purdue game. Yes. Yes, they did. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't much left after the Purdue game. Funny how that happens. Team gives all effort against Purdue, and then they have a letdown. Uh, Kent, I was surprised you didn't point out your guy, Tony Perkins, with his 15 assists in this one. The dude was dealing. Yeah, I, the only reason I didn't is because I was on limited time. There was a photo of him after the game that I printed out, and I have it framed next to my bed right now. My wife's not a big fan of it, but, like, uh, you know, after, after a performance like that, like, um, it, deserved a, it deserved a frame photo. And uh, just so he knows, in case he's listening – which I do think that Tony does listen to the show often because he is listening um, for me. And once again, I do get paid $1 from the Iowa NIL collective every time I mention t- Tony Perkins name. So that's $3 for this episode um, that they'll be sending me via check. So appreciate that from everyone. Wow. I need to get on that. I'll start. Mm-hmm. Impressive game from, uh, from Perkins with those 15 assists. Unfortunately, he went three of 12 from the field. So that's we don't talk about say. that. You got to look at the whole story. He was, Three of 12, two of eight for three point line at a certain point. But he looked good shooting though. He looked good while he was shooting though. That's all that matters. Sometimes it's all about the Twitter photos. Like afterwards, you know, like he pulls up and as long as he's like on the graphic after the game with the score on there, um, it doesn't, no one ever knows if that shot went in or, or out. Like it's just a picture on the graphic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Spen Perkin can cook on occasion. That's right. Dr. Spin (laughs) Perkins cooked our Illinois last year. Did you have nightmares about Perkins Sheps? Uh we do have a tendency to let guards just get into the paint and and with the drop coverage uh he he absolutely destroyed us last year. He had his career game against Illinois last year. Yeah. Haven't seen him do anything remotely close to that since. <laughs> Well, an assist in this one. If you count two two points for every assist, he would have gotten close in this one. So, true. I guess if you want to do that, 
Uh, yeah, no, and just to touch on Nebraska really fast before we get out of here, uh, I think this Nebraska team, uh, they're, they're, they're going to win more games uh, than they lose like this. T- Tominaga didn't do anything but score 13 points, uh, so, you know, you need more out of him. And this one, one, one for five from from three, uh, you just didn't get a whole lot in this one because, like we said, Nebraska, they just kind of look tired after their big win against Purdue. So, great big win for them, but overall... Uh, you know, Iowa just, they had the energy, they had the offense in this one. Nebraska couldn't really stop them. So I don't really have a lot of concern for Nebraska other than this would have been a good win that they probably needed for the tournament. So don't you dare come close to criticizing Tominaga because he is the Tony Perkins to Kent, uh, <laughs> for me. Tony so. Perkins. Yeah. I'm not so much so, criticizing him. Just saying if Nebraska most electric the player in the big 10. If, if Nebraska wants to win, they probably need more than 13-0-1 from Tominaga. So. That's true. He can't do it all by himself, man. Nebraska's got to help him out. Rank mm-hmm. Mass, come on, get more than five rebounds. He's got a whole country on his back, man. He can't He can't carry this team, too. That's true. That's true. All right, guys, any other thoughts uh, with the Big Ten or any of the games this weekend or anything coming up you want to get to before we get out of here? I know Kent has a lot more to say. I know. I'm like itching to talk more. I did decide that I'm for sure going to start doing episodes. Uh, If anyone wants to come check out my show, it will be for sure. It took me a while to figure this out, but it will be uh, for the rest of the season, Mondays and Thursdays episodes for the rest of the basketball season. That finally got determined in my own brain. So I'll have an episode out tomorrow. Live or like just posted? We'll we'll just get to do our best. That's what we do around uh, casual Big Ten. We just do our best. It might be it might be tomorrow night at eleven p.m. like a pre-recorded episode. Oh, so you just nailed down the day. You didn't necessarily. Yeah, yeah. As long as I get one out on Mondays and Thursdays, then I'm I feel like I'm doing my job that I committed to in my head. Look for casual. a three minute of three minute episode posted right. at eleven fifty nine p.m. <laughs> yeah, I could. It might be. I might just like name all the scores and then that's the episode. Yeah. All right. See you guys here. on Thursday. There you go. All right. Yes, definitely do check out Ken or Kent, Ken, Kent, and uh, Shafts and their podcast. Love hearing from those guys. Um, and what's Russ saying here? Purdue, Indiana on Peacock Tuesday is a crime. Yeah, I think we all knew it was a crime with the NFL and everything else. The NFL, was Russ, you got but at this point in the season, like because I heard a lot of people complaining about this with the NFL too. Like, just get it. Just get it. It's like, I mean, not to like shame anybody for how much money they have, but it's like $6 a month. Now, I don't personally have it. I'm sharing it with somebody. I have someone's password, so I don't have to get it. But either get it or get a friend. Like, just go over to their house. You got to have a Purdue friend that you can slide over to their house and watch the game, right? NFL fans told me we'll never be able to watch football again if we give in and buy Peacock because everything will be streaming and nobody will be able to afford it. But I don't believe them. I have Peacock already. The Office is on there, so <laughs> I know I, I watched The Office last night. I watched three episodes last night. It's great. There you go. Totally yeah. worth it. All right, Kent, you're getting summer, and we'll get you out of here. All um, right. Southside. What about Big Ten Plus? No, I don't do Big Ten. Oh, I do. I have worst. that too. It's so again. Bad. It not so shaming bad. anyone. You guys want my password, by the way? Just DM me. Not not the people listening. Just you two specifically. You it's guys can so get on bad. the plus. I had go. to buy it for a month because the. Illinois had uh, a couple games on there at, you know, at the start of the season and it's, Oh my God, it's such bad quality. Although the student broadcasters are hilarious when they interview the coaches and the players. 
I've got it. I'm just a bit <laughs> Yes, you are, Russ, and we appreciate you for that. So, all right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for the good times. We'll see you Tuesday night for the football episode. Later, guys.